Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 64, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery and Mingan True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host and producer, chilling in the studio alone myself this week, Eric Fisher. And joining us via the Zoom room, who actually showed up on a week when Ramsey didn't, this is Justin Dahl. Justin, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. This is a little bit different this week, isn't it, Eric? It's just me and you. We're going to get a different type of vibe. We'll probably do a little heavy in college basketball, maybe touch a little bit on the high school scene uh, as the tournament times are wrapping or uh, rapidly getting underway. The boys started last night, and the girls are heading into their sectional weekend. That's exciting stuff for an old basketball coach like myself. Um, and then we're getting into conference uh, tournament time for men's basketball. Some of those uh, smaller leagues have already started, so some exciting stuff, and I think we'll have a little bit of a different vibe for our fans tonight, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, one that we've only had less than a handful of times, just you and me, I think we've done, this is probably the first time since this summer, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, I, I, and I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm pretty sure they were probably our, our most uh, listened to podcast uh, of all 60, what are we on, four? 64. 65? Yeah, see, I, I may miss a week, but I don't miss the number, Eric. I got I got the number. Yeah, definitely. So uh, just before we start the episode, <laughs> a couple things we should touch on. First of all, if you're not already doing so, you got to follow us on the social media platforms. We are putting out content basically every day in some capacity, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or some fashion of all four. We're there. All of our accounts basically are OOT, number four, either Route 4 Wisconsin or Route 4 WI. Some variation, you'll see us, you'll find us. And we are all over social media. Our newest video and our newest TikTok, which has been featured on our Facebook and Instagrams, uh, is the Polar Plunge from this weekend. Got to say big thanks to everyone who donated once again. Yeah. Um, over $450 raised towards Special Olympics Wisconsin. And Justin, I shit you Good not. Good for you. I, I've done this before. This is my second time doing the polar plunge. Me and Sean did it uh, a few years back. I think this one was worse than the first time in terms of how cold the water was. Um, they set up. So in the past, the first time we did it, it was at the watering hole in Green Bay. They kind of like a pond out back and they carve out the ice kind of like, you know, normal polar plunges that you see. This one, it's mm-hmm. at the, the Lambeau Field, uh, Johnsonville Tailgate Village, and they set up a pool. And the pool was set up Friday yes. night. And Justin, and I, I'm, they're not lying about this because you could see, if you watch the video, you can see kind of the ice outside. They filled it up Friday. We plunged Saturday. Four inches of ice accumulation overnight. Thought they had to chip away. And take off so we could actually do the jump uh temperature i think at jump time was roughly 20 degrees or so um and i mean we were both sean and i both repping wisconsin sports the commentators gave us a little go brewer shout out i temporarily lost a crock um Sean did temporarily break the ladder that was already broken to his credit, but it's really funny because you can really see it break when he gets on it, forcing me to actually have to go to the far ladder, uh, so more time in the water. My whole body felt pins and needles throughout the whole thing until I got to that uh, warming trailer, so that was 
an experience. Definitely something that I'm good good to avoid for another year. But we'll be back next year. So maybe maybe you'll be a man enough to join us. No, I'm definitely not going to be man enough to jump <laughs> in a pool when it's teens degrees out. That's <laughs> not me. That's not going to happen. That, no. I got a question, though. How long do you got to sit in a warming booth? Do they make you sit there for a certain amount of time? Oh, no. Like it, hour, it's, it's, it's like a it's like a semi-trailer that they have heated, and it's basically just a change and, and kind of reacclimate. but there's no minimum. You just get in and get out. You don't even technically have to do it. I did see some people really? who were silly enough to just go to their cars and, and not change, but... Um, it does make a, a world of difference just to change out of that and um, changed immediately. Oh God, I would imagine. But yeah, that was no minimum. They don't. I mean, they do have the, the dive team on hand if something were to happen medically to somebody in the pool. Um, I do believe that they had uh, fire and rescue there at some capacity too, kind of just in case um, something happened to somebody in the dive in the warming tents or something like that. But yeah, nothing. No mandatory waiting period. Man, well, good for you to be strong-willed enough to do, to jump into a pool in February. Yeah, and you're I, crazy. It's, it's <laughs> great. Uh, congratulations to all the people, and thank you for all the people that have fundraised and, and helped support the the cause that you yeah, guys. I support, believe, so. I believe this year's events help. Over three, four hundred individuals make their trip to Florida for the Special Olympics this year uh, from Team amazing. Wisconsin. So I, I could be wrong on that number. There were teams. I mean, we we you know, awesome. We raised four hundred fifty dollars. There were teams like some of the corporate sponsors who individually, as a team, I believe it was Nicolay Bank raised fifteen thousand dollars, not fifteen hundred, fifteen thousand dollars as a team. Wow! Uh, so just a great event and something I'm begrudgingly i guess happy to be a part of you know it's it's something that's it's really fun i mean they make it a, it's a whole event and you know better judgment aside it's really fun but um i'm good till next february yeah you, <laughs> you, you, did you, you did your one year out get yeah out and um go get a beer with that also do gotta uh shout out our partners here monkey knife fight plenty of contests coming up especially as uh tournament basketball ramps up Play the contest, make some money here. Simple as that. I mean, we've got NASCAR season. They've got golf stuff that they do, UFC stuff. It's all there. Uh, play along with the contest there. Also, our partners over at Raise Energy, repsports.com, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number 4. 15% off any order. New flavor, Prickly Pear is out there. Still waiting for prickly my shipment. Prickly Pear. Definitely. Prickly That's Pear. Uh, definitely a good flavor, high reviews already on that one. So get it before it's gone. Code root for R O O T number four, 15% off your order. And then Justin, with that, we got to talk about the positives, what we had rooted for you in the last two weeks, me in the last week, as we get underway here, uh, with the episode that is sponsored by fanatics over 300 plus powered stores. Fanatics show your love for your team. Hashtag love on sponsored by fanatics. Justin, what did you root for this last week? Well, I think it's pretty easy. It's about what happened last night. You know, you're probably going to beg on me for taking the easy answer, but we now are, we have conference champions uh, of the Big Ten Conference, uh, a team that was preseason picked 
to to finish 10th in the conference is now the Big Ten Conference Championship, and they're knocking on the door of a number one seed, of being the one of the top four teams seeded in the whole NCAA tournament. And I think it's huge. I think they're on a run. I think uh, it was an amazing game last night. Chucky Hepburn's shot was awesome. Um, what a what a dramatic final to the game. So that's what I rooted for. I know we're going to touch heavy into it uh, later. Uh, and secondly, uh, my Jilla boys basketball team that I help coach uh, with with my mentor uh, that that uh, really got me into the game of coaching, uh, Russ Young. Uh, he went out and he got his first. Um, postseason victory as a Gillette head coach uh, in, in on the road. We we had lost to United Nation uh, twice over the regular season, so we went up there as the ninth seed, and they were the eighth seed, and uh, we went up there, and we, and, and we took a 10-point win, so we're moving on to the second round uh, Friday night up against a very good Leona Wabino team, so uh, proud of Coach Russ Young and proud of my Gillette boys, and and uh, moving the program in a good direction. Uh, Russ's hard work is really paying off, and and just just proud of the whole direction of the program. Hell yeah, man! Well, and we'll talk more playoff basketball as we kind of go through here, and and tournament basketball as it comes up. I'm um, gonna focus pretty heavily on the Badger team probably later in the episode. So we're gonna I'm gonna kind of let you have that and let that one simmer here for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna take a different angle to high school basketball here and and say what I had rooted for and. Uh, that was my return to the high school bo- broadcast booth. Uh, I made that last week uh, yeah. with Southern Door versus Two Rivers High School Girls Basketball, uh, the regional game. First, I got to say a couple things here. If we have any listeners in Two Rivers, love your town. It was a good little stop through, but holy shit, I had no idea where that was. And I learned something. That is really far off the highway. <laughs> I um, I had yes, never been to Two really Rivers till last night. And uh, or till last to week, go there for Kite Fest. Yeah, and Kite uh, Fest is is awesome there. From what I have but, gathered, talking to some people from um, from the area that I know through work and and whatnot, there is not a easy way to get there. It is, no. it is out in the middle of nowhere, kind of on on Lake Michigan. Beautiful, like I said, beautiful town. I was very impressed with the town itself, but like I said, just. I had no idea it was so far off the highway. So, um, but with nice that, school too. Nice yeah, school. very nice school, very nice facility. Um, like I said, just kind of a kind of a cool moment showing you know growth as a broadcaster. I've done my this is my first game I've done it all um, in about three and a half four years now or four years now for basketball. Uh, three and a half years for any sport that I've done a game for. Seven years since I've been a color commentator on a game, Justin. And uh, wow. Just stepped in like it was like it was old hat and I it thought, was a... I thought you sounded great. I, I listened to the whole thing after you sent me the link. Uh, I popped her on uh, the old internet here and listened to it as I was taking care of the kids and I thought I thought you sounded great. I, I didn't think it was uh, um, any outlandish or or off the topic comments or anything. I thought you sounded great, Eric. It's just like you do on the podcast. You did a great job. I think you should do it more. Well, there there's, should be more. There's definitely some paperwork being filed to maybe do some more sport, uh, high school sporting events here in the upcoming uh, months and, and hopefully going forward beyond that. But 
so here we are. Uh, but yeah, just nice to get back in the broadcasting booth and and uh, take a different element to high school basketball that I haven't really had in the last, like I said, four years. So uh, really cool on that uh, front. Not to do like a self-promotion, self-brag here, but um, that was just a cool moment that I got to root for and experience here too. So I uh, just wanted to touch that out, shout that out here. Um, with that, we go from the positives to the negatives here and go to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And I've got a couple here, Justin, so I'm going to let you go first on this one too. Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do this, Eric. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna let you do your couple. All I'm gonna do is piggyback off of you because I didn't really have one coming in, um, not one that I was really comfortable with uh, nominating for the noogie of the week. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna piggyback off of you. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so first and foremost, I I've got to say, I know I've been strong about this in the past, and I'm gonna be strong about this here tonight. The MLB lockout is the biggest crock of shit. And it, it's, I I know people, you know, kind of feeling more strong about one side or the other. Uh, it's really easy to blame the millionaires versus billionaires angle about everyone getting or not getting along and ruining it for the fans and how some people may not watch baseball at all this year or ever again going forward. I don't really believe keyboard warriors like that and that side. But what I will say, what I can say is... If you're even remotely on the fence about this, I've, I've got to be honest with you. You need to listen up right here because the noogie of the I'm week, listening. the noogie of the week, perhaps the dumpster fire of the year needs to go to these MLB owners for what they are doing owners, to the not, sport, not the players, so not, not the players association. Not Manfred? Oh, he, he's looped into this because they hired him okay. uh, to be the commissioner and yeah. is just such a fraud of a commissioner um so here here's the ba- here's my side of things here like i said it's easy to take the millionaires versus billionaires angle i get it you know in the past i've probably been there too when you look at labor discrepancies and guys seemingly not wanting to play and bitching about thousands of dollars that none of us are ever going to see i get it don't get me wrong but and i said this on a different outlet and it hasn't published yet so hopefully i'm not going to spoil this outlet but when you think about this it's it's kind of the way i'm describing it is to think about it like if you were the manager at like mcdonald's like small town mcdonald's only one in town whatever and there's some other options in town you know let's let's you know it's something you're familiar with or we're all familiar here with our listener base or most of us anyway uh town of shano city of shano right one mcdonald's but a couple other you know plenty of other options out there so you're the manager, you know, you're a guy like Christian Yelich, where you're making pretty good money, you know, upper end of the of the scale. Yeah. And here we have these MLB owners here who are these MLB superstars who are kind of the heads of negotiating and kind of in that same same element here as like the McDonald's manager. You look around and you got your guys are making let's say eight dollars an hour 750 i believe is minimum wage or 725 but let's just use eight dollars and then you know again using shano as an example you've got walmart and let's just say they're making ten dollars an hour to start with and then you've got yep. you've got quick trip and their their guys are making twelve dollars an hour to start with and then you've got culvers and maybe they're making fifteen dollars an hour to start with and there you are as is McDonald's, 
It's probably still the number one operation in Shano. And the owner decides to close the doors because they can't get enough people to come in and work. In there, what they say. Meanwhile, you've got your high school kids who are sitting there just wanting some spending money. Your buddy's best friend's got a kid who's working there and saying, you know, I just want to be more competitive with my buddies. They work the hardest hours. They work the longest hours most days a week. They're just looking for maybe a little bit of a boost in in the money and maybe a day off or two here and there, you know, just to be a little bit more competitive with these other these other employers that are let's let's call it fairly equal. So you take that all into consideration. The owner shut the door saying that you're being selfish and it's blaming it on the manager. When in reality, you're actually doing it for the high school kids and and those kind of entry level workers who aren't making that same money that you are and deserve to probably be up there with everyone else, like the you know with the quick trip with the Walmart, etc. Same kind of situation here in Major League Baseball, where Major League Baseball is the lowest minimum wage for starting players. The contracts are the most ridiculous out there to start with here. Uh, specifically speaking, these arbitration rules where I don't know if you remember this a couple years back, Justin, with like when Chris Bryant, the uh, formerly of the Cubs, when he was coming up, the Cubs would not put him on their opening day roster because they wanted that extra couple years of arbitration and and bargaining, which smart smart move based on the rules, but it really screws over your younger talent because that's more time that he's yeah. not on the forty man roster. That's less money in his pocket, and it's just a farce. The MLB collective bargaining agreement that was in place is slanted so heavily towards the owners and it still would be i mean these players are making some contributions you know some um what's the word i'm looking for some they're seizing on some things you know they're they're willing to give up some of the things they're they're arguing for and bargaining for uh just to get a season underway the mlb owners are turning around and and Manfred specifically here, just the like I said, arguably the worst commissioner in all of sports, sitting here saying how it's the players' fault and and the failures of the failures of um, the fact that there's still a lockout and that there's now canceled games is not for lack of trying. Well, here's the the other deal: is that the MLB decided to lockout and not do negotiations for 46 days up until about 10 days ago and did not in any way bargain in good faith or good um yeah good faith is the right word correct yep so here we are and now canceling games taking payment away from from guys who are going to not gonna be able to play these games and collectively spitting on the players to the point where even MLB Network cut out on the MLB PA statement, and the ESPN did the same as well, uh, cutting out on the the players' union statement after Manfred's farce of a press conference uh, that they had their talking points sent out to team owners within minutes before Rob Manfred even took the podium. They had their talking points echoed and sent to the teams in the league. So... Like I said, they, the MLB owners and Manfred, they don't give a shit about April baseball. It's their least, other than our opening day, 
and home openers. It's their least attended month of the season. You know, most of the country gets cold. It's early in the season. You know, I know that you don't really care about the first half of baseball, probably even the first two-thirds of baseball season. Correct, yep. But for those of us that do, it's a spit in the face to us as fans. And now that they're trying to do these extra playoff teams and they're trying to do this other nonsense of yeah, of bigger bases and pitch clocks, it's just actively ruining the sport that they claim to love and just giant middle finger. So here, here's my question to you, Eric, since this is uh, baseball is specifically your specialty of of our little podcast here. What are the like? I'm sure there's a couple minor hangups and stickups that are that are you know either side could probably live with. But the major hangups. Well, Justin, well, that's the problem. What is are the major ones? You would think that that would be. The that it is all minor things, or maybe it's a lot of minor things, and it's it's resulting in that. It's the fact that the owners don't want to budge on a single thing to the point where the the players have already conceded. That was what I was looking for earlier. Conceded um, on a lot of elements, and in in order to try to appear like they're compromising, they have been trying to. Yeah. Uh, they've they've conceded on super two deals. Um, they have, like I said, luxury tax. Luxury tax. The owners don't want it because they think it's going to be a salary cap when it's really just to kind of even the playing field in the grand scheme of things. But yep. Um. Again, it's the arbitration style. It's it's the fact that they want to be players to have more, a little bit more control over their their future. And then again, that minimum wage thing has been a big sticking point too. The problem is here we are. At no point have we even gotten on-field things. We are so into money right now that the owners don't even want to budge on and have no interest in even budging on that, let alone getting to the on-field topics. So we'll see what ends up happening. And then there's two. I think I've got two more questions here, Eric. Okay. Some of the, for for our average fan that is really about baseball, just uh, just about the on the field product. The the two big thing where what's the the big thing is, um, how many games, right? Like, the that has been discussed about how many games they're playing. I don't believe the one sixty two has come into into discussion. If it has, I, I'm sorry, I was I'm not aware of that. Okay, I'm just asking. And then it's it's fourteen teams they want to let into the into owners. The, so. the owners are wanting fourteen teams. The the players union, I believe that they have kind of been at ten. Either they're at ten right now. They've conceded to twelve. But they do not want to go to 14 teams. And just even yeah. the playoff format itself, where the number one seed would pick their opponent and, and so forth down the line um, and kind of oh, start with like a built-in one-game advantage already and there's no travel in that opening round. It'd be all at the number one seed. So that's one of the bigger issues there as well. And then it's the universal DH. Uh, that, to my knowledge, has already passed. I don't think that's a really a bargaining point anymore. I believe that is a okay. rule that the commissioner was able to put in place and be um, effective already. Now, as a na- or National League fan, I, I'm i really torn on it. Right now, the Brewers have really good hitting pitchers, uh, but I also don't want to see pitchers getting hit 
or getting injured on the base pass or even swinging a bat like we've seen countless times happen to other Brewers pitchers, especially when mm-hmm. when it is kind of almost a guaranteed out in a lot of and for a lot of pitchers anyway, not you know necessarily guaranteed or I shouldn't say I guess, but in a lot of elements, I mean even the best hitting pitchers are hitting maybe two hundred, maybe. Yeah, yeah, if you're lucky. All right, my last question. My last follow-up question for you here, Eric. How long do you think this could go? Genuinely, I have no idea. Um, the After the announcement on Tuesday, they did set that the soonest they could start renegotiating is Thursday. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know if there is another deadline before more series get canceled. I got to imagine it'd be pretty quick if that is the case. Yeah. But... Um, I I could realistically see this dragging on for another couple weeks. I you know, the other thing, and this kind of I guess maybe goes on my beef with with I, where I've had with insiders and reporters and maybe people not doing their jobs in good faith, was the way that the the owners and Manfred and others were able to swing uh, reporters like John Heyman and Bob Nightingale on Monday night going into Tuesday, where. They made it really seem like a deal was close, where it was rounding third base, where it was in the eighth inning of a deal, and and the the players are the ones that balked at it and didn't even want to do anything with it. Um, the owners are saying that they have sent their best and final offer. What that means, I you know I don't truly buy it because I I can't imagine any world in which these players um, who voted unanimously to to balk at this last uh, proposal, which is, like I said, it was a farce of a, that there was an agreement in place and just trying to be more of a PR move than anything. Um, I, I really don't see them kind of looking at this and letting it sit there and fester and agreeing to it on, on the fact that it's either that or nothing. Um, so I'm hoping that's not the case. I, you know, I, I could see this going longer. I hope not, but I, I, I truthfully, I don't know. I'm thankful that we got minor league baseball where the Tim Rattlers are opening up on April 8th. Um, college baseball is actually kind of getting a well-deserved rub-off from this where they're getting a lot of eyes on it that usually aren't. So I guess in that light, right. you know, there are some positives to it, but as a whole, I, I don't have an answer for you, Justin, because the players are even more pissed at uh, at Manfred and, and ownership right now than they were at the beginning of this whole thing. And, and it's been messy, and it will continue to be messy for a while. No end in sight. That's not good, Eric. Not good. No, not at all. Um, so that's my main nuggie. Like I said, possibility of dumpster fire of the year. I know it probably won't win at the end of the the end of the year awards, just because I know that you guys aren't baseball fans. And but we'll see how messy it gets. Maybe it's going to be enough to swing you guys. But that is my early yeah. my early leader in the clubhouse for that. Besides maybe John Howard's situation, which I didn't, we didn't get to touch on your thoughts on that. Um, but beyond that, um, I got to think what my other one was. I was so fired up about that one. Really haven't had any, any, uh, Adam Schefter worthy noogies really. Um, now I'm going to stick with just really the one I thought I had more, but yeah. that was a good, that was a good, uh, that was a good segment to be honest with you. My thoughts on the Joan Howard thing is, uh, I thought that the, the, the punishment was worthy of the crime. Um, if not, he should have been fired. 
you, you just don't represent the way that he represented. Um, in I, I don't find it fair that some are saying that Greg Gard escalated the situation. Uh, clearly, uh, the fact of the matter is, yes, Gard grabbed him and then moved himself in front of uh, Howard, but the grab was on his arm and the back of his elbow. Um, when the, the situation escalated is when Jawan Howard uh, pretty much grabbed him by the collar, by the buttons on his shirt, and fisted him uh, right there, right in his face. I, I, I thought that was what escalated the problem. I think the whole. I think it was juvenile. What um, Juwan Howard's uh, issues were. Uh, you don't. You, you have an issue. You don't press the backups when you're down 16, 17 points uh, in the final seconds. Um, I think Greg Gard has every single right to call a timeout and coach his guys in that final minute. So, yeah, one. Uh, I, I thought the the punishment kind of fit the crime and. And I think they're ready to move on from it. So I, I do got to ask you a couple follow-up questions because Rams and I talked about this pretty extensively on the last episode. And, and him and I butt heads in the way that we do. I mean, we don't get as vocal as you two do when you guys get in, in disagreements. But I got to ask, mm-hmm. for those who are saying that the handshake line needs to go away at either the college level, for sure the college level, in, in these people's arguments, what do you have to say about that? And what do you think that maybe the benefit or, or con of it is? Uh, I don't agree. I think, I think the, it, the game of basketball, uh, especially at, at the amateur level. Um, and we could talk about what you think is amateur level or not. College basketball is amateur level, even on the highest D one, um, stage. Um, we need to keep setting a precedent and an example for our, our younger kids. Um, that night was not an example of that. Um, but we're also seeing a mixture of what high pressure uh, basketball um, is and where, where it is coming down to the AU circuit. Uh now, more than ever, when we are uh, failing as a society to teach our kids uh, the differences in socialist um, or, or, or social settings, now is the time, more than ever, we need to take advantage of simpleton uh, quirks like a handshake line and show respect to what competition is. Uh, and to um, how we can respect uh, our, our fellow competitor and, and their efforts and their contributions as much as you can uh, look forward to their respect. Um, at the end of the day, is it just a game? Sh- yes, uh, yes, but there are lives that matter on it. And I, I, I think I can understand why people think we should get rid of it because it's, it seems like a mute point, but I don't agree. I, now, if you're talking NBA players, it, 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 
whatever. Uh, that those guys are a little different. These guys are professionals. Um, they get paid to play the game. They don't need to, um, you know, dap and show respect. To me, college basketball needs this in the game, um, and they and and they need to be the the example setters here. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know where you guys were on this conversation, and who who had what side of the argument here. Uh, well, Justin, I thought you'd listen to our podcast, but um, I didn't get to it. Sorry, I didn't get to it. I'm. I was busy. I'm coaching. I'm dadding. I'm working. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> listen good. to it this past week. I was on a team that it should stay because I think one incident uh, doesn't necessarily justify removing it. I, I am actually on your side that I think it probably should stay at the college level. Um, Ramsey was on on side that it shouldn't be mandatory at this point. Um, because of you know how high profile it can be, and even high school basketball, the guys who want to dap up after a game are going to. The guys who don't shouldn't be forced to. They should you know kind of like how uh, I mean you see in the in the NBA where guys after you know a heated situation have the ability to walk away if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, th- I mean that that's kind of the the summary points of it. I think that's I think he also had elements of. Um, you know, just that it is kind of a farce at this point where grown men who are 18, 19, 20, 21, even 22, 23-year-old uh, don't need to be taught respect because they should already know it. But Yeah, but, you, you know, you're looking, you, you are affecting kids. You are affecting... I mean, there are kids that are in them stands that see that, you know, that that one moment between Juwan Howard and Greg Gard is going to live in a kid's mind forever. A kid is never going to forget that. Um, so to me, I think it should stay uh, because whether, you know, even if you have a flagrant foul that's during the game, if you could see uh, the the person that commits the foul on the person that is, is getting the foul committed to him, and they come together at the end of the game, and they talk about it, they work through their issue, and a kid in the stand sees that, he can remember that for the rest of his life too. Uh, so I I – I don't think that it should go away. I think it should stay, and I think it should stay forever. I don't. I, I. I don't know why. Why you would be on the argument of getting rid of something um, that is, you know, generally for the only purpose of it is for good of the game. No, I, I'd agree with you on that as a whole. Um, I, I forgot. I did have a very clear cut second noogie, um, and that's gonna be Greg Jennings, and. Oh, yeah. And for a guy who, and, and, you know, really, Jermichael Finley has probably been one of the bigger heels, pro wrestling term, by the way. If you haven't checked it out, go check out our pro wrestling mm-hmm. episode. Uh, but for the guy, one of yeah. the guys who's kind of been the bigger heels in Thorns and Packer fans' side after they have left, Greg Jennings is not far behind. The element where Greg Jennings 
goes on Fox Sports 1, I believe, talking about uh, how Aaron Rodgers is a selfish guy and all this other nonsense and this, that, and the other thing about how um, he told Greg Jennings not to be that guy and and just a, a whole bunch of stuff that proved to not be true and to make yourself that big of an asshole and, and f- on unfounded rumors and when everyone who has been near him, Aaron, him being Aaron Rodgers, uh, came to his defense saying, hey, this is this is vehemently false. This is um, not the guy that he is. You know, he's not the one demanding this. He's never been that selfish guy like you're claiming him to be. And it really is Greg Jennings that's the bad guy and, and really outed himself looking worse. Definitely a nugget of the week worthy. Yeah. Uh, it just seems to to be whenever Aaron Rodgers is um, in the light for something that is uh, semi-negative or even a touch negative, um, the first guy there is Aaron or is Greg Jennings. Uh, uh, I've really, you know, grown to have a dislike towards his commentary. This is a guy who's who's about to be into the Packers Hall of Fame, and I'm not saying that you have to be buddy buddy with everybody that you've played with. You know, you're. I, w- I would guarantee that you're not buddy buddy with every teammate you've ever had, and I can guarantee you I'm not buddy buddy with every teammate I've ever had. But at the end of the day, I mean, you still were teammates, and and especially when stuff proves to ultimately not be true, and. And you're just kind of getting your clicks out. I think it's a really selfish move, especially given the the platform that he has and ultimately the the position that he is with at this point with the team where he's about to be on that, that Packer Hall of Fame. And, you know, you've got everyone else out there kind of saying the right things. You know, Lafleur today at the Combine and, mm-hmm. and Gudekins and whatnot too. For someone to be technically representing the Packers organization and – just making himself look like a giant asshole. I, I I just can't get with that. You know, whether or not you want Rodgers to stay in Green Bay, that's neither here nor there. But the fact that Greg Jennings is... and it, I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. He deserves to probably be in the Packer Hall of Fame. He had an excellent career with Green Bay. Definitely Packer Hall of Fame. He's not going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. That's for damn sure. But, I mean, he deserves that accolade. But if you're the Packers, I mean, this guy has spoken against you as a franchise in both the quarterback, the leadership, the coaching. At what point does it say, Hey, maybe we don't honor this guy now. Yeah. I don't, you know, (coughs) I don't want to go over too crazy because quite frankly, the guy is still allowed an opinion, whether he's played with the Packers or not, whether we agree with it or not. The guy is allowed and the guy is paid to have a, a, a opinion. And I think it was fair for him to share it. I just, I don't have to like it either. And so, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would agree that you, you you say, well, because of your opinion, you're not going to be in the Packers Hall of Fame. Well, you're not on this one specifically. Career. Not even on this one specifically, but just, again, how, how he's really treated the Packers franchise since leaving – I think, personally speaking, and this is my opinion, I'm sure he probably disagrees with it in every every right, and I'm sure there are people out there that do, but 
for as outspoken as he's been against this Packers organization from top to bottom, Murphy, uh, Ted Tom, the late Ted Thompson, he didn't really have any interaction with Gutekinds, but um, even McCarthy for when he was here, for every interaction and, and the city as a whole, you know, you look at what this Hall of Fame is supposed to mean. You're supposed to enshrine the you know best players in the team and and you know mean something that means this to this team and this franchise and personally i mean i don't disagree you know i don't disagree with you that he has a right to say it. he's paid to say it, you know whatever take he's got but i don't know if that means packer hall of fame worthy as of right now yeah uh, i guess i could go either way on it but i i would i would personally say he's still going to be a Packer Hall of Famer and he deserves it. Oh, I don't much. disagree. He deserves it in the long run. But uh, I don't think now is the time to do so after another incident of him being the the loud, outspoken, anti-Packer, anti-this you know, anti team, anti-this city. That's where I kind of draw the line right now. Yep. Anyway, so with that... Um, we did not do any bets last week, so we're going to take another week hiatus here because, well, we're missing a member of the team. And I know that we did one week where we did the picks without one person, but for Secretary Shauna and, and record-keeping purposes, it just gets a little cloudy when when yeah. only one of us is here every week for, for record-keeping. So we're just going to postpone that for one more week. Hopefully everyone's here again next week, and we can get back on that uh, get back on that wagon. And with that, um, just I think we're kind of going to go, and in in light of the recent events of the week and and the state of Wisconsin or the state of the union address that was the other night, and most governors kind of giving their state of the state addresses. I think this episode, and, and we're going to do a badge report here in just a few moments, but as a whole, I think it's time for the state of the uh, the state of Wisconsin sports, and that can be our it's kind of going to be our episode title here. And really our main event. Okay. So it's the state of Wisconsin sports and really taking kind of a deeper dive at these as a whole, uh, kind of starting off, you know, we are in, you know, you started off with the show with it. We're in high school basketball season. Uh, regionals are underway for the boys. Sectionals are underway for the girls here coming up. And both have different kind of angles. You as the coach, I, I had gotten a game in as a broadcaster and, and I guess I want to ask you, starting with as somebody who's kind of in the in the know-how of the high school sports world, what is the state of high school hoops in Wisconsin right now in high school sports? Uh, well, it, that's such a great question because uh, the, the value, the number one player in the in the state of Wisconsin for girls uh, this year. Uh, is is a young lady from Germantown. She committed to the University of Yukon. Um, I don't know for for our fans that know much about uh, women's college basketball, but Yukon is the cream of the cream. They are um, the top. Gino Oriema is uh, likely the greatest uh, women's basketball coach in the in the college game of all time um right there with pat summit uh for a long time in their careers uh when pat was still coaching she was they they had some great head-to-head -head battles um 
he's produced a lot of pros. Um, so the value of the player in the state of Wisconsin is high. Um, and the value of the teams and the value of the coaching uh, within the state of Wisconsin is incredibly high. I would say it's uh, in my 10 years, 17 years of uh, being involved in, in the game of basketball, this is the, by far the highest it's been. Um, you can tell when the state of Wisconsin basketball is good. UWGB is normally um, playing at a high level uh, for women's basketball. But not only that, you see an improving uh, Wisconsin team. You see uh, two pretty good teams down in Milwaukee. Um, D3 teams are uh, specifically um, UW Oshkosh is a power uh, in D3. Uh, and now on the flip side, it's almost the same thing for the for the guys. Um the talent level, the depth of the talent level um, this year is not uh, quite as high, um, but it it has been over a five-year span um, ridiculously high. Last year, you're talking about, uh, we were talking earlier about Pat Baldwin Jr. Uh, off the show. Um he was, he's likely a, a lottery pick uh, coming out of high school out of Sussex Hamilton. Um, this year, um, there's not quite uh, that top, top echelon uh, of player. But two years ago, it was Jalen Johnson. Um, they had, I believe, uh, two years ago on the boys' side, they had 14 kids coming out of the state of Wisconsin that were going D1 um, in high D1 level. Uh, so, I mean, you're starting to see some things that are coming out of the, the state of Wisconsin, specifically the the Milwaukee Racine area, um, blow up a, as far as how good the talent coming out of that is. Uh, even UWGB's um, stud freshman point guard came out of Racine St. Catharines, uh, a, a state champion. Um the, there's a, a teammate of his on, on last year's state championship team was starting for 20 and 10 Iowa state team this year as a true freshman. So uh, the value uh, of the players coming out of, out of the state of Wisconsin is incredibly high on both sides and the value of the coaching uh, coaching uh, is just, it's, it's, it's very, very, very high. Um, moving up. If you're going on a national ranking level, New, moving up um, higher probably than it's ever been um, over the last 20 to 25 years. Yeah, awesome stuff. And then, I mean, you're also our high school football expert. Um, state of Wisconsin high school football across the board as a whole. Uh, it, it's it's getting better. Now, um, w when you say getting better, you're talking about the athlete, right? Uh, Wisconsin's always going to produce a line, right? And so uh, we're even talking about some of the 2023's uh, kids, um, specifically Catholic Memorial High School. Um, there's a kid, Donovan Harbor, who has just been getting lambasted with offer after offer after offer. I believe 
Tuesday he got offered by Syracuse. Um, so I don't, I don't know the exact number that he's up to, but uh, the talent level for for our athletes is getting higher, but the talent level um, and the size, the sheer size level of a Wisconsin kid coming out of high school um, is is uh, is impressive and, and, and growing at a at a great rate. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to to the guys over at uh, Wisp Sports who do such a great job um, in updating. Uh, their Twitter feeds, or or their or their website, or their player profiles on uh, their their website withsports.net um, to to uh, keep everybody up to date on what's happening. Uh, a lot of the times, a kid himself will um, extend out a tweet to to say. Uh, that he got this offer, he got that offer, but uh, there there are some out there that do a really great job um, keeping a fan up to date. Um, I would like to, when speaking about um, uh, high school football, there is a coach from Somerset that just passed away at 58 years old, uh, a true legend in the game, and and I'm hoping that uh, we get to honor him as his family has asked for the uh, the schools around the state to to kind of light the fields this Friday night in his memory. So uh, we'd like to do, to give a little homage to that and, and, and hope his family is uh, doing well. And now before we move on to the college ranks here, I do got to ask just one quick question. I believe I know the answer to this, but... These state basketball tournaments, they are returning to the Rush Center and Cole Center, respectively. Is that correct this year? Correct. Correct, yes. Uh, unfortunately, well, wait. I think I might be wrong. Um, yes. Un- unfortunately for the state wrestling championships uh, that are down in Madison, they still have to mask while they're – but I think um, I think March 12th, the, the mask mandate runs out for, for – uh, all UW facilities. So I think by the time state championships are for boys in two weeks, they'll be able to have fans in the stands without masks on, which is uh, a hooray win, and especially in Dane County, which has been um, probably the hardest and the strictest county in the state on that. Uh, And you'll see the girls... Live in action starting next week at the Rush Center. I'll be there. I'll go to a couple games. Uh, it's I don't know if we'll end up going to our traditional championship Saturday, uh, but with a with a day off on Friday, you can bet my butt will be there in stands and and watching some of the great competition and and um, some some of the uh, the great coaching. Well, if you are there Saturday, you let me know, or maybe even Friday night, because I will. Perhaps join you and, and take in some basketball. Um, well, I will say, Eric, they don't have beer there for girls, no. For, I, I'm for okay girls. with that. Okay. I know Ramsey's not going to go then because if they ain't got no beer, then. <laughs> no, that is that is a church. I actually do. Um, I, that's one thing I always try to get to, at least a, a session every year for the girls' state high school championships. It's just it's, it's incredible to be there uh, watching that high level of basketball and you know, getting definitely getting your money's worth 
uh, when you go to watch those games. Um, when you go, it's ten dollars for the session, and and definitely very enjoyable. Good, great basketball too. Yeah, it's probably worth it. I mean, you get two games for. I I don't know if it's still ten bucks. It might be. It, it, WIA might be catching up on some COVID <laughs> down pay, but either way, even if it were 15, 16, 20 bucks, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, the value of the game, um, is so good. Um, the excitement of the crowd, you can see pretty much the whole town, uh, from that city that's being represented is there, uh, the love and the players, um, and, and quite frankly, you'll, you're, you're hardly ever going to hear me say this, but even the value of our, our, our uh, officiating crews that, that are down there are some of the top notch. And, and you're going to see a good quality basketball game. And, and every time it's here, you should take, if you have a chance, you should take advantage of it. I believe the first year they did that, Oh, I don't know how long ago it was. Five, six years ago, they moved it permanently up uh, to... It was 2014. Uh, GB. So what am I? I'm eight years off. Okay. So this be the eighth year. Um, I think they, they, they forced through like almost 40,000 people uh, over the, the three days. So, I mean, you're talking about a, a place that doesn't hold that many people. And, and to push that many people through is... It was good for them, and I hope it continues to 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 feel like a success and, and to keep it here because it's such a a great asset to the the city of Green Bay. They did increase the ticket price to eleven dollars. I'm looking at the WIAA website right now. All right, so I don't... see it's cheaper. It's cheaper than actually going to the school. It's six bucks for one game at the school. <laughs> Definitely. So with that in mind, um, why don't we move on to college basketball? Starting kind of with the mid-majors first, we'll look at um, first the Green Bay men, their season coming to a close last night. Uh, once again, just kind of an incredible journey to watch them grow as a team, uh, getting kind of a first-hand look at that. Uh, shout out to Brian Klinsky, our play-by-play -play commentator, Bill Rabior, our color commentator for home games, uh, the coaching staff, Will Ryan, uh, Brandon Pritzel, I'm, I'm forgetting names here as I'm doing this live, but um, for excellent access to this team as a whole. Freddie Owens? Yep, him too. Uh, so just, and you know, the record does not indicate how good this team truly was this year. Um, at times battling through games where they had six or seven healthy players because of COVID and injuries, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um a young team on top of that too, where they had to really battle against some of the top teams in the horizon league, which were senior junior laden teams. And they're starting three or four freshmen a game. Uh, they also had lost uh, one player for disciplinary reasons throughout the season. Donovan Ivory. Uh, he had been one of their top scorers. They miss out on him uh, half coming down the stretch, but able to, Really get some good wins. A good win against Detroit Mercy in the regular season. Um, gave Cleveland State a run, uh, which is the number one team, likely the Horizon League representative in the NCAA tournament this year. Gave them a good hard-fought contest, which there's no moral wins in college basketball, but, I mean, there are two. 
when you look at it and see, like I said, the, just the mm-hmm. growth of this team where, again, like I said, you had freshmen at just about every angle or, you know, playing significant minutes. You had some sophomores. You didn't have a single senior on the roster for the Green Bay men's basketball team. So uh, great growth for them and seeing what this young group of freshmen, specifically uh, all freshman team members, Kamari McGee and Cade Meyer, seeing what they can do. You have uh, Donovan Short coming in as one of the top recruits from the state. He's coming to Green Bay. Another year of growth for Wisconsin product, Lucas Stever. Uh, hopefully getting Mitch Listow back healthy. The Belmont transfer uh, as a junior, I believe. He'll be back here uh, next year. So lots of opportunity for growth. And hopefully as they stick together and hopefully they do stick together and uh, continue to show what Green Bay basketball can be and, and the significance of building up a program with a potential, you know, with a good coach and a stable coaching for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, Green Bay is a tough one for me because, you know, I've talked long and hard about, you know, how, how a team could be like this in the transfer portal, portal days. Um, and, but you, you do see the growth and you do see value at the coaching level um, and them increasing their gameplay level. Um, Green Bay, what Will Ryan has done, he's done a great job of recruiting locally um, in, in identifying and keeping guys that are going to stay here, be here, and, and want to be here. Um, now the, the talent level will suffer a little bit. Uh, a kid coming from, you know, Southern door high school is not going to be quite the same as a kid coming from, uh, a, a, a big time school in Chicago. Right. So he, you can see what he's doing. He's building this place into a, a, uh, a recruit and develop type of place, right? We're, we're not going to come with higher talent, um, even even for a mid-major level of higher talent. Um, we're we're going to recruit at a level to where we're going to get guys to stay here. We're going to get guys to work hard. We're going to get guys to be good students and, and good in the community, but also guys that are, Talent, the talent level is there, but they just need to be uh, harnessed and caressed and and and, and uh, focused into a direction to to improve their game over a four or five year span. Yeah, definitely. Also, got to shout out Jared Swanson, the the only coach, and I can say this from a broadcaster's perspective, the only coach who has always made me worry about the dump button. Um, always kind of pushing the limit of what is allowed on on terrestrial radio, um, at times. But uh, I know Brian Klinsky had said this last night. One credit to this coaching staff, especially with their their media appearances, um, is they tell they don't talk basketball. They talk to you, tell you what it is. You know, they're very upfront and and open with you on that. Um, but you know, you're talking about this roster where maybe there isn't the you know, the five-star recruit coming to Green Bay. Um, 
But you, like you said, a lot of local guys just looking through here the roster. Mitch Listow, Wanakee, Wisconsin. Redshirt sophomore, Kamari McGee, Racine, Wisconsin, Racine St. Katz. Uh, Japana Kellogg, Ams, Iowa. So that's your, you know, one of your out-of-state guys. But Lucas Steber, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Southwest High School. Cade Meyer, Monroe, Wisconsin. Uh, a couple international guys, Jem Kirchiman from Turkey. Um, you have Cairo, Egypt, Tutu Majak. You've got a couple guys from Illinois sprinkled in. You've got a Cuba City product in Braden Daly, who redshirted this year. Uh, Nate Jenkins from Delafield, Wisconsin. Uh, as you mentioned, Ryan Claflin, Brussels, Wisconsin, Southern Door High School. Lots of kind of recruiting locally, like you said, staying in state, building an actual program, and, and you know, eventually the hope is once you get those guys to, to kind of gel for four years, that's kind of the the way of mid-major college basketball is you can get a, a group of guys to stay together for four years and and maybe make a run yeah. in that, that junior year or senior year. Uh, you saw it, you know, with Kiefer Sykes and Carrington Love and Jordan Faust. And Jordan Faust still, to me, one of the most underrated college basketball players of all time. Um, statistically speaking, the most underrated. He's the only player, I believe he had 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. I'd have to look at the, the exact um, the exact tweet because he's the only player to ever do one specific huge list of accomplishments. Um. But just a very he have like five hundred assists or something like that too. I believe so. X amount of steals, X amount of rebounds. Yeah. But just an incredible. I mean, it was a great team. You look at some of those guys who were the only ones to do, you know, one of the only guys to do that, um, making the NCAA tournament a handful of years ago. Years ago now. As a whole, like I said, just really kind of building that up, building the culture. And, you know, not that you're ever going to be another University of Wisconsin, but the blueprint is there just like what Bo did at, at Madison. The blueprint of kind of developing that is in Green Bay right now too. Um, yep. Now on a little bit of a shakier ground right now is UW-Milwaukee, who has now yeah. fired their head coach, Pat Baldwin Sr., um, after a six straight losing season for the program, I don't believe that he had been there all six years. Uh, here's here's a stat line on on Jordan Faust, by the way. Um, he is the only player in NCAA history with a thousand plus points, a thousand plus rebounds, two hundred fifty plus steals, three hundred fifty plus assists, and one hundred seventy five plus blocks. Wow, that's a stat line. That's for sure. So, but yeah, you look at UW Milwaukee and and a team that I, you know, I jokingly rivalry game, you know, rivalry school with my alma mater being Green Bay. But you look at them; I mean, in some ways, exceeded expectations when their star player Pat Baldwin Jr. only played a handful of games. He's still gonna be a first round pick this year by all accords. Uh, may have fallen out of the lottery just due to health issues, but. Um, I saw Bleacher Report has him projected still at the 25th pick or 24th pick going to the Nets right now. So still a first-round yeah. guy was able to get you know their first five-star recruit coming to the program to play for dad. Um, chose Milwaukee over the likes of Duke and, and basically every other school in the country. Yeah. But, you know, one of those things where you look at... Um, well, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, I think we talked about it. You have a fifty-seven and ninety-two record over six 
six seasons or five seasons, and that's just not good enough. Uh, Milwaukee has a a relatively strong history. Um, Bruce Pearl was last guy to take him to. Well, no, I, I believe Rob Jeter did it once, uh, but you know the, they've had some pretty decent coaching um, come through there now. Um, it's an attractive job uh, just by the sheer talent level that's in the city that they're based out of. Um, Milwaukee is a hotbed for for um, for talent to come out of there. You know, for Green Bay to grab a kid like Kamari McGee out of their backyard, out of, uh, out of the, yeah, out of their backyard is a, that's a huge get. Um, so, I, I think that's a attractive job. Uh, uh, you know, with some Wisconsin ties to it um guy like uh tony bennett's uh top assistant coach brad soderberg who who has uh, some wisconsin love to him um could could be uh, an attractive name for that job so uh who knows they'll have they'll have suitors for it um now justin great taking... town great just taking a look at Go their ahead. roster now, and, and something I probably should have known more about, but you want to talk about the difference in, in dynamic as where they are as a, as a program versus maybe Green Bay. Two teams that I'd, I'd say maybe Green Bay either achieved at expectations or maybe a little bit below, and Milwaukee for sure under expectations given, um, you know, signing a number, you know, high, I believe the number three recruit in the country uh, with Pat yep. Baldwin Jr., Here's a roster where you don't – they have, I think, three Wisconsin natives, and that including, yeah. um, you know, looking at uh, Jason – I don't even know how to pronounce that last name. I don't think he played a whole lot. Um, looking at Tyler Ellingson from Menominee Falls, who went to Sussex Hamilton, and then Pat Baldwin Jr., who also went to Sussex Hamilton. So as a whole, I mean, yeah. not staying in state and, and uh, you know, doing with that what you will, but – just kind of picking different talents and and going just two different routes and two different styles with the program and ultimately kind of same results. First round exit in the conference yeah. tournament and and firing your head coach in Milwaukee's case that is. Well, like I said, it's going to be you. You got to find a guy that loves Wisconsin uh, for the for that place to work. Right? Uh, they did it. They've done it now. Here's a name that uh, not a lot of people are going to remember that coach there, but a guy named Bo Ryan coached there. Bo Ryan set Bruce Pearl on the run um, to being a great uh, at, at Milwaukee. Um, so when you talk about it, they, they could be a good top mid-major um, with the town level and the resources that they could have. Uh, they're surrounded by they're surrounded by talent. Uh, when you, when you talk about Milwaukee, you talk about the Beltway to Chicago and the Beltway to to Madison. I mean, there's talent surrounding that place. They're gonna find guys, and they don't have to spend a lot of money doing it. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll be an attractive job. You play in a building that's literally called the Mecca. I mean, it's not called Panther Arena, but it was the Mecca for the Bucks. I mean, yeah, the idea that. You can't recruit, you know, local guys or um, even. I mean, there wasn't even a whole lot of Illinois looking at this list, Justin. I mean, right? 
you're going so far out of your your backyard here. I mean, they had uh, Donovan Newby from Chicago, who is a hell of a player, by the way. But you had Donovan Newby. Um, you had one from Gary, Indiana, and DeAndre Golston. And beyond that, I mean, Elgin, Illinois. And really, that's about it. I mean, oh, I lied. Josh Thomas, too, uh, senior from uh, Simeon in Washbash or Wabash Valley High School. And then Spring Grove, uh, Joey St. Pierre, the product of Spring Grove, transfer from Parkside. So not yeah. a whole lot of home cooking going down at that school in Milwaukee now. There is another school in the state of or in the city of Milwaukee, and that being the Marquette Golden Eagles, one that doesn't get a whole lot of run on this show, and and has really quietly had a very good year this year. Uh, I think they have exceeded a lot of expectations. Oh, I think the Shaka Smart has has done a hell of a job. Uh, he, he's he's likely got his team into the tournament, um, regardless of what happens here the rest of the way. He is sorry. He is recruiting at a high level, um, uh, bringing in talent that is going to. Uh, it is going to pay off in the end here. Um, coming up, I, I don't know that they're a Sweet 16 team. I don't know that they even win a game in, in the opening round. I don't know that they're they're quite that far, um, but they are a tournament team in Shaka Smart's first year, which is better than when he got it. And, and to do that in not a full calendar year is a, is a pretty amazing job. Yeah, no, truthfully speaking, have not really watched a whole lot of Marquette games this year. Um, but some high-profile wins, to their credit, um, including a couple big wins. A big win against Butler. They've gotten a couple of good wins over uh, Providence now. So some really good ones that they've had for their program as a whole uh, throughout the season. Um, a win over Illinois to start the season, who was number 10 at the time. Yep. Um, really gave UCLA all they could handle back in early December. Went over 16 Providence, uh, over 11 Villanova, number 20 Seton Hall. Uh, beat Xavier once a season. They did. I lied, they did not beat Providence. That was... Oh yeah, they did. They beat them early in the year. My apologies. Um, some so some good wins. They're playing DePaul right now, and that's a back and forth game. But like you said, I mean, really, a team that might sneak in a for a sneak trip to the second week of the tournament. Maybe they do get that opening round win, and maybe they can at least maybe shock a a higher seed and come the second round. Who knows? Yeah, but like you said, just a lot better where the team is now than where when Shaka Smart took it over, um, which leads us to the the creme de la creme for the state of Wisconsin. Really, kind of the class of college basketball as a whole right now, or one of the classes of college basketball being the Wisconsin Badgers. Well, they're outstanding. Um, I you, I, I talked about it a little earlier before. You're talking about a, a team that was preseason picked 10th. Um, they've just clinched at least a share um, of the Big Ten regular season championship. 
They've gone to 24 and 5, 15 and 4 in the Big Ten, uh, which, you know, some pundits will tell you is easily the uh, toughest conference in, in the college game. Um, to me, there's no doubt that Greg Gard um, is the Big Ten coach of the year. If not the um, NCAA um, coach of the year, the job that he's done with the talent level he's done, he's replaced. Now, get this now. He's replaced four out of five starters. Okay. Um, Brad Davidson, um, you know, people coming into the year kind of expected Brad Davidson to be the guy to kind of lead this team into in, in scoring and in assists and, and do all the small things as they were playing freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen, big minutes um, to kind of lead the team in the way that Brad Davidson has done um, to, to not say it's going to be about me. He's going to be a, a great future coach down, down the road, um, which is his ultimate goal um, coming out of the game of basketball. Um, and to kind of take a back seat as to the go-to guy to who could very well be uh, the national player of the year and Johnny Davis, who who's probably likely played himself into a, a lottery pick himself. Um, he's just had a great season. He had a great season again last – or a great game again last night against uh, Purdue. But listen now, eight – quad one wins um in 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 this season uh they have um just about put put themselves in solid solid uh consideration for the number for a number one seed in the tournament and and more importantly playing in the milwaukee region um which you know Wisconsin fans are going to show up and show out for that. Well, yeah, and that was such a big thing with uh, with the 2015 tournament team. We you know we kind of look back and talk about how important last night's game at the Kohl Center was, and you know credit to the fans all showing up in white for the most part, and um, really just kind of dominating that that game start to finish, and you know one one hell of an ending with the the Chucky Hepburn shot, but. You know, you touched on something where Brad Davison, I don't think gets enough credit. I mean, he's kind of been the latest version of, like, an Aaron Kraft who seems like he's been in the Big Ten for forever, and he really has been, if you really think about it. Um, yeah. But you look at, you know, the ability to kind of step back and not be that scorer and, and very subtly not, you know, be you know be the, the vocal leader and not the on-court leader necessarily, per se, while also kind of being the floor general at times, too. Um, mm-hmm. Even last night in the game against Purdue, not needing to score the bucket until it was really... I, I don't think he hit double digits last night, did he? I think he only had seven, eight points last night, if I'm not mistaken. But He had zero at halftime. I know that for sure. He had a big, big three towards the end um, that put them back ahead by three. I'm going to get you his stats here in just a moment as I'm, I'm talking about him, but... Um, just an, an excellent game as a whole, and and really, you know, one player I don't think will ever get enough credit, not at least on this roster this year, has been Tyler Wall, 
as well. Uh, Tyler Wall led scoring last night for the Badgers with 19. Yeah. But just an overall, just an incredible, credible win for the Badgers. And, and you know, you can talk, like I said, talk about the the legacy of um, games at the Kohl Center for the Badgers and and what that game meant last night and kind of up there with games like uh, the Devin Harris free throw game a couple years back and uh, some different ones. Chucky Hepburn hitting that bank three that, as Johnny Davis said, it was bullshit, but it went in. Yeah, not gonna lie. Not gonna yeah, lie. not gonna lie. It was yeah. bullshit, but it went in. So, yeah. yeah. As a whole, well, I mean, it was just—it's just impressive to watch these uh, freshmen and redshirt freshmen, and even the guys coming off the bench, um, to include the depth off of this team. Um, uh, what what they've done all season, even on the road or in a neutral site, winning the Maui Invitational, um, beating some damn good basketball teams in in. Uh, St. Mary's and in Texas Houston. A&M and in Houston for that matter, you know, um, just just great wins. Great, they've been great all season long. They haven't they haven't fallen off a step. They haven't gotten tired. Uh, these freshmen are physically ready to play um, for a whole season. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting. They they're pretty much locked up the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament and. They'll get a double bye, um, so that means they got to win what, Derek? Two, one, one or two games to two games to get to the finals, and I believe so. Yeah, they win it if they if they win the Big Ten, they the Big Ten championship in the tournament. You can they've easily probably locked themselves into a one seed. By the way, for the record, uh, Brad Davison seven points last night, four rebounds, zero assists, two fouls. Very quiet, but again. Just that on-floor leadership uh, when needed. And then stepping up when needed the most to hit that big shot towards the end. Uh, Tyler Wall, again, 19 points. Chucky Hepburn was 17, including the eventual game winner. Johnny Davis, 16. Um, you know, one other thing I thought was really interesting uh, was the fact that I believe... I got to look up this... Um, let me get this, this stat here for you here as well, but while I get it pulled up. Um, but just an incredible, incredible run from this year's team, and and really, even uh, Chris Vogt, he's he's become kind of a a ring chaser, if you will, and actually being successful at it. Uh, Chris yeah. Vogt, um, coming off the bench, it only had two points last night, I believe, but in those two points, um, clinched another Big Ten championship. Which, of his five years of college basketball, he is a four-time. I mean, this guy. All this guy does is win. He is now a two-time Horizon League regular season champion with Northern Kentucky. One Horizon League tournament title. One-time AAC regular season title with Cincinnati, and now a Big Ten regular season championship. He's a winner, and he has about as big of a uh, um, a reason to to gloat about it too he's a senior he's a transfer senior he was transferring into a better situation he hasn't hung his head about uh coming off the bench and, and playing behind steven crawl a freshman or a redshirt freshman he he's he's done such a great job for the badgers and has filled his role and if there's a if there's a, a, a young player 
in anything that we're talking about. If he's listening to us right now, as a coach, I can tell that player right now, I said, you find a role on your team and you do that role the best to your ability. And your coach is going to be forced to play you. And Chris Vogt does that for Greg Gard. If, if there's any example you need to watch, Chris Vogt is the example. Do your job. Know your role. Do it well. You'll play a lot more. Couldn't say it better myself. Not one bit. But uh, they will be back in action on Saturday as the um, conference tournament or, or the final finale of the regular season, I should say, uh, playing against Nebraska to hopefully lock up that outright regular season Big Ten championship. Uh, we did kind of miss on uh, women's college basketball here before we kind of move on, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, the only school I really kind of give any any semblance to, at least for my fanhood, is is Green Bay. And yeah. uh, Green Bay does have their opening, or their opening round game with the quarterfinals of the Horizon League. Playing in-state school Milwaukee, who has a win over them this season, uh, as of recently as about two weeks ago, um, so that should be an interesting game, in and of itself. Uh, really, just a dynamic year for the bat or for the Phoenix women, um, where they had gone basically stretches of forty-five days plus without playing a game at all. Yeah, they've only played like twelve games on the season or something, haven't they? Feels like it. Uh, but yeah. they will be getting an action here. They are eighteen and six on the year, versus Milwaukee playing who who is fourteen and fifteen. So lots of missed games for the Phoenix, uh, but they are thirteen and four in the Horizon League, and have gotten some big wins themselves, including uh, wins over IUPUI and Cleveland State, who are both top two finishers in the league. Um, those coming here recently as well. Cleveland State, the regular season finale. And the IUPUI win coming the second to last week, and the final game at the Col or at the Crest Center uh, for regular season play. Well, well, Milwaukee's got a a, a very good coach, um, Kelly Relic. Um, they they've had a good span here over five years. She's done a great job. Um, she recruits the state very well, um, and she. She, the thing about what she does is she recruits small town of the state very well. Um, so I, I always like to root for them outside of the Phoenix. Um, the 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 Phoenix women are doing a great job. A lot of local pride on that roster, which is uh, always been a, a strength of Borsets and in kind of ruling the, the state and in the talent level that he gets coming out of the state. Um, and that's been indicative of how successful he's been over. I don't know how many years he's been with us now here in, at, in, in green Bay. Um, it's gotta be almost close to 20 years, uh, all together between his two stints. Eric, do you know that? How, I how... I don't know it off the top of my head. I really should because Matt Pauley, our play-by-play commentator um, for the women, always goes over his record and how many years he's been with Green Bay and in either stint or in both stints and combined overall. Off the top of my head, if he's listening, I'm sorry, Matt. I do listen to you. I promise, but I cannot recall it off the top of my head. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, just to touch on on one thing you had said here, just the local talent and and really, I mean, the Horizon League as a whole is really kind of the creme de la creme of mid-major women's college basketball. It's right up there with any other conference in the country. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, four teams or three teams, excuse me, in the final uh, college basketball insider mid-major poll of the year for the Green Bay women, wow. um, including Green Bay themselves, who snuck in at 24. And also Youngstown State, I believe IUPUI has been on there throughout the year. Uh, so some really hot, you know, some really big praise for the Horizon League as they've always had to try to catch Green Bay for 23 straight or 20 straight conference titles they had won, Justin, um, and have not won one in a few years now. But just that just speaks volumes about the competition in the Horizon League as a whole, um, how much it's evolved to beat Green Bay. And with that, I mean, Green Bay is still kind of at the top. Had a chance at the number one seed for their uh, conference tournament here. Uh, would be remiss if I did not mention the award winners for this Green Bay women's team. Um, Haley Oski, local product out of Seymour, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Yep. Yep. Uh, she gets the nod for the Big Ten first team of the year. Or not the Big Ten, the Horizon League first team of the year. Um, also, wow. just let me get Former this. Former Miss Wisconsin. Uh, freshman of the year was uh, Bailey Butler, also a Wisconsin product. Sixth player of the year as well. Yeah. Blackhawk, um, yeah. From Blackhawk. Also on the all-freshman team for the Horizon League, Maddie Schreiber. Yeah, Kimberly, right? I believe so. Get that pulled back up here. Uh, but just, again, just local products and competing at high levels. Um also can't say enough about girls like Sydney Levy, transfer from Milwaukee, who is in Appleton East, Appleton North, Appleton North product. Uh, Cassie Schultz, Luxembourg yeah. Casco product. Yeah. And it's all very, th those are some very local schools we're talking about here. Appleton East has a, uh, speaking of high school basketball, Appleton East has a, a stud player um, that is going to Marquette, uh, on a full ride, so she's a hell of a player. They're still in it. Hope that they're going to run into some good matchups coming here pretty quick against Hortonville and, and stuff like that. Um, you want to watch some quality high school basketball? You're going to you're going to get your opportunity this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kelly Gen or Kelly Genke also getting good minutes. She's a freshman out of Wrightstown. She had some big minutes. Uh, Megan Pingle the Technically sixth-year senior, but fifth-year senior out of Sun Prairie. Um, big contributions. Jasmine Kondrakowicz, big contributions as the second-year freshman because uh, the COVID year for Milwaukee. As I mentioned, Bailey Butler, Sydney Levy, um, Matty Schreiber. You said Genki was from Wrightstown? Yes. Hmm. I thought she was from Freedom. Oh, that she is. I lied. Wrong. She is. She did go to Freedom, but her hometown is says Wrightstown, Wisconsin. Okay. That's okay. on me. I thought I was screwing up here, Eric, but it's okay. Got That's on me. That's a hundred percent on me. <laughs> okay. And then, but, yeah. To the so, point. The point is the points is is Boris has really building something again out of the local talent that is surrounded by. Um, the Green Bay, the Green Bay area, the state of Wisconsin, he's reaching out further than 
you know, Blackhawks kind of on the Illinois line, Illinois, but kind of by Iowa. Uh, but Bailey Butler, um, that the Blackhawk teams from five years ago to up to last year, I believe they won like 65 games in a row in the state of Wisconsin. Something to that effect. So also, shout out to Green Bay alum uh, Jen Wellnitz, also from from Blackhawk. That's true. She's a. So, I remember watching her down at state. She was. She was. I mean, she was unbelievable as a high school basketball player to watch. It was on. It was awesome. I gotta say, I mean, bias aside, the the grad the freshman class with my. Great. It's probably one of my favorite classes to watch in college basketball that played at Green Bay. And this is going back, well, eight years ago for graduation purposes. Your first year in Gillette, Justin, um, was my yeah. my senior year and these other girls' senior years. Uh, three of them, I believe, ended up playing at the state tournament between Allie LeClaire, Jessica Lindstrom, um, and Jen Wellness. And then you're very familiar with the uh, the local O'Connell product, Lake and James. Yep. Yep, so, she was a tremendous basketball player to watch too. Bias aside, well I would the- I would say that that was one of my favorite classes, but um, just an incredible run that the Green Bay has had as a whole. Keep it up. They need to keep going. They, they've got a great team this year to do it. So with that, do you want to stay with the sport of basketball? Have you talked enough hoops for a while? Do you want to go to the Bucks, or do you want to go uh, maybe look at college football? Not much to talk about with the Bucks, I don't think. Um, I think we, we've we've covered the game of basketball pretty well. Um, even even the high school game. So we can move on to the old football game. Well, let let's do that. Let's stay in this. Let, let's stay in college football, college sports before we go, uh, because we are doing the state of of the Wisconsin sports, Justin, state of the union, state of Wisconsin sports right now. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. But we'll stay with college sports, the Badger football team. Um, I know that we've been pretty up to the minute and kind of in that dead period right now, as far as I'm mistaken. Is that correct? That's yeah, we're we're pretty dead. Um, there are coaches that are visiting schools and handing out offers to junior class and, and uh, some sophomore kids that have film out there. A lot of teams are waiting for uh, their junior days to happen so they can hand out offers, um, their camps. And, and so a lot of that's happening or going to happen. But right now, uh, for college kids that are moving on, the, you touched on it a little little bit before, is uh, the NFL scouting combine's happening right now. So that's kind of taking precedent in, in all of football. Now I do got to ask, just with you know, kind of looking at the state of Wisconsin football as a whole, just kind of an, a general overlook um, from the last really calendar year and going into the next calendar, you know, this, this upcoming year of 2022, the 2022-2023 season. What should be realistic expectations for this Badgers team coming into this year? Big Ten championship game. Uh, I they they have to expect to get to the Big Ten championship game. They have to expect, as every year, to to be the best um, team coming out of the West. And until they change the format of what's happening in the Big Ten, um, 
there's no doubt about it. They 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 should be the top team in the West. Uh, they have the 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 what's supposed to be the great quarterback. They have the all world um, running back, and with Bob Bullstead coming back to the offensive line, you you're gonna talk about an improved an improved offensive line, um, pushing people, uh, getting kind of back to to a, a down and dirty offensive line that's that's gonna knock you off the off the ball five yards. Uh, but I think what the biggest shock and what you're gonna see coming out of this year is a, is a different style of passing game. You're gonna find a little more of an athletic uh, tight end in in some of the guys that they have. Um, not necessarily a down blocking tight end, and uh, most notably will be Eschenbach, who Jack Eschenbach, who will take over the starting role from. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but Barry Alvarez's his grandson, Jake Ferguson, who... Are you serious? He, been, he was Barry Alvarez's grandson? Yeah, he's been there. He, he's, he's, been, he's been Barry Alvarez's grandson for the last four years at, at, at um, Wisconsin. I didn't know if you knew that. Or I, I did not know that. I also didn't know... I'm just looking at this. You know, you mentioned this all-world all running back. He's, he was only 17 years old when he was playing this last season. That's it. That's, That's it. That's incredible. Should have been playing high school football last year. No kidding. <laughs> but he'll be he'll be uh, on the early season Heisman uh, watch list, the Dolk uh, watch list as a sophomore. Um, Two hundred forty pounds, just built like a shit brick house. Uh, I think the thing that it, will he'll need to um, do the most, and I think we're going to see that coming out of this year, is improve his overall speed. And his endurance and durability coming coming through a whole season as a Big Ten running back. But the wide receiver, the type of wide receiver that the Badgers are getting and and that they're going to put out on the field uh, is bigger and and, and stronger. Um, you're gonna have some some nice nice three four star high three star low low to mid four star guys. Uh, playing on the edge with some serious athleticism that the Badgers have, uh, the, they've done a great job in finding these guys. Now it's just uh, a matter of putting the talent level to the field and, and watching it grow. Now I'm going to ask you the million dollar question, and I'm sure you know this is a lot easier said than done. But here we are, March second. Heavy focus on Badger basketball, obviously, and for the right reasons. But um, with that in mind. For the Badgers to compete for a Big Ten, Big Ten West title, uh, potentially you know Big Ten championship game appearance and Big Ten championship game, you know Big Ten championship in football, and you say that that's that's the goal, that's their expectation. To do so, what needs to happen? How how does this need to play out for the Wisconsin Badgers? They need to find guys. Um... Uh, on the defensive side of the ball and replace a lot. They're, they've got four guys they need to replace on the on the back end of their defense. They're two all-stud uh, interior linebackers in their 3-4 defense. Um, and, some, and some names that need to fill in on the back end of their rotation on the defensive line. So they've got, I think, seven guys, uh, seven or eight guys in total out of 11 that need to be replaced uh in the starting lineup on defense, 
uh, that's got to happen and that's got to happen fast um, in order for them to to not lose ground and, and, and try to keep pace and, and maybe even take a, a, a leap right away. Uh, they have hired an inside linebackers coach and in, in a guy whose last name, I want to believe he's Bill Sheridan. Uh, he has a defensive coordinator experience at the NFL level, um, just like Bobby April did. Um, but most recently um, was, was a li- interior linebackers coach for the Giants, I believe. And and now he is a uh, a, a Badgers interior linebackers coach um they do have a post out for an offensive assistant uh i believe there's some sad news that's going around that uh the badgers running back coach gary brown is is possibly facing some some uh health issues that will not allow him to partake in the coaching realm uh if not for this year um so they are hiring an assistant for that I'll be interesting to see. They have moved their tight ends coach, Mickey Turner, to uh, the recruiting coordinator, which is a tall tell sign that they will give um, offensive new offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram the tight ends uh, responsibility duties um, that he held at when he was coaching tight ends for uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a damn good one that plays for the Baltimore Ravens right now. Um, yeah, uh, so he's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I believe the those finding, you know, there's a lot of roles that are changing. Um, not having Joe Rudolph is definitely going to, to impact it right away. But, you know, adjusting to what they need to adjust to, Finding guys to replace defensively and fast, even with the uh, the transfer guys coming in, um, if they, if they could do that, and in those, and we could solidify a starting lineup, or we could solidify the the ones and twos right away, and 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 move in a direction. I be, I truly believe they are uh, the best team in the Big West or Big Ten West. All right, without a doubt, that's where you're hearing it first. And one last just question. Graham Mertz, will he be the starting quarterback all year? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I think Paul Chris loves the guy. Um, and I think, in, you know, you're committed to him. There's not, there's not, uh, there's not the guy. Um, unless Deacon pay, pay a hell, um, who was a, uh, a guy that was burgeoning, he he was he was just really starting to shine at the uh, end of his senior year, just garnering a fourth star as they put out their final rankings. If he is a guy that can push, um, I think he's a guy that pushes for the the backup role and beats out Chase Wolf. Um, but as of right now, I don't think he, with the experience level, the experience factor, we're not going to find a guy. I don't think from today to when we take the field in, in early September or late late uh, August, that we're going to find a guy that, that is going to beat out or um, um, give us as much experience as what Graham has. And, and I, I truly think 
uh, with a different type of style, a better offensive line, um, that we are, he's going to be our guy. And he's going to be, I don't think it's just a one-year deal. I think he's he's our guy for the next two years. And and uh, he's going to, he's going to, you got to have faith that he's going to lead us to it because we tried, we, we uh, came close, they didn't get it. And there was no saying that Caleb Williams was going to be the guy. I mean, he would have still had to beat out Graham Mertz. So I think if you if you uh, play a little more into Graham's style, shotgun style, I think I think he can be successful here for the Badgers. All right, good stuff. So I know we look at the Badger, or we look from the college sports world onto the pro circuit. I guess we'll start with the Bucks here. Um, Bucks still the reigning NBA champions. Can't take that away. And nope. You know, really, like I said, I, you know, I've said it before and I've said it, I'll say it again here as a whole, I, you know, I struggle with regular season basketball. Um, you know, I know how critical we were down the stretch of this team at different, different points of the year last year. And, you know, the way that this roster is constructed, I think that they have the ability to run it back. You know, there, there's been some games that maybe they've let get away from them this year that maybe you don't want to see them get away from, but all in all, I mean, the NBA is just really about getting there. I mean, Brooklyn might be the eighth seed, if we're being honest, and, and they're a finals favorite, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm yeah. not too worried about the Bucks. I mean, just, you know, if we're talking about the state of the team and the state of, of, pro, ba- of pro sports in the state of Wisconsin or state of sports in Wisconsin, what an incredible run that I, I, you know, looking back, I think we'll appreciate even a lot more than we are right now. But just of all the teams to win a championship for the state of Wisconsin, maybe the most unlikely a handful of years ago, not even. Yeah, no doubt about it. No, I, I mean, you you have three options. Um, in, in year to year, you're going to say Green Bay the the Packers are obviously going to be the favorite year in and year out to give you a championship just because of who we've had at the QB position over, um, you know, what is it now? 30 years. So we'll see. Uh, I, I thought that you're absolutely right. That unlikely, unlikely that it was going to be the bucks who, who have been downtrodden for however long until you, you gambled and you got it right. And, and got Giannis as the as the as the savior of the franchise. Well, and and let's take a look at that just for a second here. First of all, I mean, you gotta talk about you can't talk about the the incredible unlikeliness of the Bucks winning the championship, considering they weren't too far away from being moved ten years ago. Right. I mean, they were always that team that was thrown around. That maybe they're on the move. Maybe they're relocating. Maybe Seattle gets the team back. Um, maybe it goes to Mexico City. Maybe it's you know insert city here, and they stuck through. They built the arena that was needed. Uh, got new ownership. Dr- like you said, took a hell of a gamble drafting a scrawny six foot ten forward that no one had heard of. He was seventeen at the time. Was it some? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean. Just to put your, I guess, kind of your faith in the franchise there, and and then you know you make so many different moves where, 
you know, you get the veteran talent, you get like a Greg Monroe, and then you end up trading him for Chris Middleton, um, who, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he even was the centerpiece of that trade when it happened for the Bucks' return. I mean, he was definitely up there, but I, I believe it was uh, Brandon Knight was the centerpiece yeah, of the trade. Right. And you look between that element and then, you know, getting guys, you know, you get Eric Bledsoe here from a cup of coffee and end up trading him away. And then you get PJ Tucker to come in. I mean, really not mortgaging the future per se, but really going all in on a championship and having such dire straits throughout that championship run. Uh, like I said, where we were sitting here trying to fire Budholzer, uh on this show. And then yeah. end up winning that championship. So, um, you know, to be determined, work left to do for this year's team. But definitely would say that the state of, of pro basketball here in Wisconsin is is probably at its highest it's been since the 70s. D- no doubt about it. I, I mean, can't get any higher than where they are right now. So then uh, just I, I do apologize, you know, no offense to um Badgers hockey, Badgers women's hockey, Badgers volleyball, all national champions, all congratulations. I, I do apologize for missing out on them at the college ranks, but uh, just a little bit, you know, shout out again, state of the state. Excellent work. Uh, with that, yes. we stay in the city of Milwaukee looking at the Brewers where talked about the lockout pretty heavily. If they end up do playing baseball at some point this year, uh, Brewers are a favorite in the NL Central once again. Uh, to be an unprecedented, unprecedented for this team, fifth straight playoff appearance. Um, you know, lots of guys coming back, including the the reigning Cy Young winner, the reigning reliever of the year, and hopefully a healthy and improved roster. Uh, they've already kind of upgraded, in my opinion, with Hunter Renfro over Avisael Garcia. Um, another year of Omar Narvaez, another year of Colton Wong, another year of Willie Adamas. Uh, and then hoping, again, Christian Yelich can return to that MVP-type form uh, that we have seen 2018-2019 and, and not so much 2021-2020 uh, Christian Yelich with him being healthy. So uh, mm-hmm. lots of hope there if they end up playing a season. As you know, you heard my rant earlier, do not blame the players for this. This is all the commissioner. And, you know, I don't know where Adonazio stands as the owner. I, I'm going to give him the bad rep here, too. Uh, just because he has not been outspoken one way or the other on on any of the events transpiring here. Um, but he's complicit at the very least. And, you know, I, I kind of hate to say that because I've been a big supporter of his as the owner in my lifetime. But facts are the facts. And, and we're partially in this because of him and his ownership group. Either the fact that he's, you know, just as complicit as all these other owners which you really wouldn't think of for such a small market team. You'd think that he'd be, A, on the player side, trying to get revenue coming in, and B, um, you know, trying to get this back underway so they can get that playoff roster constructed. But here we are. Um, all things considered, though. You know, go ahead. Yeah, the Brewers kind of feel like a team, and you were just saying um, – an unprecedented fifth straight season of trying to make the playoffs or, or, or making the playoffs. They seem like a team now that is is um, on the cusp to me, Eric. They're, they're a quality. They're, they're starting to become a quality 
um, franchise. Um, some of these guys are wanting to play with the Brewers. They, they know what they're going to get. They've got great management in council, even though he can't win the big one. Um, I know we fought about that uh, over the over the course of uh, last uh, season's playoff run. But they're, they want to play for, for council. And it, they do seem like they're on the cusp of doing something special, kind of what the Bucks just did. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree, Justin. And what I'm going to say about that, and maybe it's just the pessimist Wisconsin sports fan in me, the Brewers are at a spot where they are at kind of a make-or-break point where they've they've mortgaged a lot financially here the last couple of years. They've had some incredibly high payrolls for their standards, um, still fairly low for MLB as a whole, but um, yeah. incredibly high for Milwaukee Brewers standards. Uh, they've got a lot of guys that they're going to have to pay coming up between Hayter, Burns, uh, the rest of the pitching staff, Woodruff, Peralta, etc. cetera. Um, but you said it yourself, you know, the Brewers are kind of becoming that very sneaky um, kind of mid-level free agency destination where people love the summers in Milwaukee. You know you're going to play every day with the uh, with the retractable roof. I'd say you have some of the best fans in baseball where you rank in the top 10 in attendance in the smallest market in all of baseball and really the second smallest market in all pro sports outside of you know Green Bay, Wisconsin with the Packers, but yeah, you have an incredible opportunity here as an ownership, as a fan base and as a team to really, I mean, you look at even your rival to the South, the Chicago Cubs, where they had their run of about, you know, let's call it what it is, five, six years. And then they had to go and sell the franchise basically and sell the farm for, for picks and prospects and, um, you know, they're going to be probably contending for free agents here once that opens back up and and whatnot, too, if not this year, for sure next year. I mean, they're not going to be down long. But you look at even like the Kansas City Royals, who are a World Series champion in 2015, where they had two runs at it. They had an, a World Series loss against the Giants in 2014 and then their win against in 2015 and how far they fell off and so quickly where they had to basically sell. I mean, you look at Mike Moustakas getting, who was a brewer. You look at Lorenzo Cain, who became a brewer once again, um, to the point where they're, you know, they're finally starting to contend here a little bit later, three, four years later, but they really had about a two or three year window where the brewers are at their, really their fifth year window between 2017 and, uh, to now 2022. So just kind of at a point where they are, um, like I said, make or break, but I think they're more towards make. And if they can pony up some of the money that they do have, I mean, Mark Adonazio does rank, I believe, is the 13th or 14th richest owner based on net worth. Uh, so it's not a it's not a money thing. I mean, you just got to have a more of a commitment to or conti- a commitment to continue winning. And I think that's very important. I think they have that possibility here where, again, projections wise, they're they're favored to win the NL Central. Yeah, I don't. You know who else is? Well, St. Louis is probably going to be their toughest competition. Eh? Um, Cincinnati shouldn't be so bad, right? Yeah, basically it's going to be Milwaukee. Uh, Cincinnati can make a run, depending on how their off season goes here coming up. And uh, to my knowledge, I mean, really depending on on the Nick Castellanos sweepstakes, which 
are to be determined yet. Um, if you know, he's a guy that I would love to see in Milwaukee. I don't think it'll happen, especially with the Hunter Renfro trade. But um, he's a guy that you would love to see, especially with that DH now uh, being the universal DH. If yeah. they decide to, you know, go out of house with between um, maybe either Vogelbach or even uh, Rowdy Telez. But if they decide to bring somebody else in, you'd want to say maybe they keep, maybe they go get that extra outfielder so that, that Christian Yelich isn't playing every single day uh, and he can maybe DH sometime here and there. Or maybe you go get that, um, you know, maybe even using uh, Renfro as a DH here and there and getting Castellanos to add an extra bat. All, all options now that you have on the table, um, I would love to see him here, but he could go back to Cincinnati. He could go elsewhere. I mean, that's that's the reality of free agency if and when that does open up. Um, you have incredible pitching once again. I mean, you know, the, the the rule of thumb is that that, you know, should regress a little bit closer to the mean where you had three arguable Cy Young candidates. You're not going to get that every year. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, you have three Cy Young candidates between Peralta and Burns and, and Woodruff. You have two reliever of the year caliber players between Williams and Hayter. I mean, there's there's Here's no. Good... Who do you start opening day as your pitcher? Um, I would say given how last year went. Now, there's there's two trains of thought here. Personally speaking, I would give the nod to Burns to give him his his flowers, metaphorically speaking, so that you know, as the reigning yeah. young player. Um, but Brandon Woodruff has opened the last two seasons, and. Traditionally speaking, uh, the last, I believe the last really five, ten years, uh, openers have not, or season openers have not fared well, uh, especially there's been a lot of turnover at that position or in that spot um, in the in the rotation, metaphorically speaking. But I, I, I mean, it's hard to argue with the success of Brandon Woodruff where, I mean, he's a Cy Young candidate too. He received votes this year. Uh, he's done it two times in a row now. I can make that argument where he could get the nod. I like I said, I think okay. you give it to, Cy, to to Cy Burns, give him the, you know, as the the, run. the rub, uh, for for being the Cy Young winner. But I don't think anybody would should be shocked to see if they do go Woodruff. Yeah, but I just thought it was an interesting question, just because you know Woodruff had been the guy. Uh, the last couple of years, and then. Well, and I'll I'll even say this: it depends if they it. if they depends if they even open them on at home or on the road. If it's at home, I definitely say go Burns. If it's on the road, I'll even I'll say this: if it's on the road, you go Woodruff. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to get uh, we'll have to get closer into that kind of topic as we uh, you know when they open the season in July. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah so with that i guess there's only really one team to kind of look at uh justin that being our closest team geographically speaking and probably the one that we spend the most time talking about on the show the green Bay packers Mm -hmm. and uh lots of unknowns yet as we kind of are in the midway point of the early off season we're at the uh at the combine here now we have yet to see as to who will be the starting quarterback. Uh, reports today coming that Green Bay has growing optimism that Aaron Rodgers is going to return. 
Grow, growing optimism. Jesus, anyways. We'll, we'll wait for the guy to make his decision. And this is, I mean, when we're talking about uh, Green Bay, to do a state of the states of whatever we're doing here, um, this is probably the hardest one out of all of them because they are in they're they're in a black hole in salary cap. They're they're in the unknowns of what they're going to do with their top two players, literally on the roster, who are the most expensive players on the roster. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, they they've done some of the work now to to get some of the cap back. But uh, yeah, this is a there's there's still way too many unknowns about what this team is and, and what it could be or or what their future holds. Um, if they're gonna you know kind of sell for the future, if they're gonna kind of um, run it back and and go for it in one year. So uh, to me, there's just a, a lot of unknowns yet. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, and we're really, like you said, at a very, you know, tumultuous time. But a lot of, you know, I think you can make the argument a lot of things are pointing towards one more run at it. And that's, you know, maybe that's just the cautious optimism phrase that gets thrown around so easily. Um, Sense of confidence and optimism about the return of Aaron Rodgers for the season as the phrase being used. I reported by the Packers wire uh, from talking to the uh, floor today at the media uh, doesn't want to be an annoyance to Aaron Rodgers, but you know, they're expecting that decision here in the upcoming days and the upcoming weeks. Um, expectation is that they likely probably do franchise tag Devonte Adams. Uh, you know, that's kind of up in the air too, like you said, uh, but a lot of work has been done. I do want to get to give credit to uh, Russ ball and Goody and, all those involved who have restructured some major contracts already. I believe they've already freed uh, north of $20 million in cap already with yeah. just a handful of moves. And uh, all indications are that uh, Zadarius would be next as someone that they don't want to release, that they want to resign. And, you know, that'll be an interesting trade. I mean, you know, the reports were last week already that he's kind of distanced himself from the team and, and removed all his his Packer affiliation on his Instagram, but I mean, that's fleeting these days too. Instagram. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I'm not going to put a whole lot of stake into that either. I mean, technically speaking, yeah. he's under roster until he's not, but correct. Um, no, he's... I, I really, like I said, I, I do like where this team's at and as a whole. And I like where the defensive is at. I like where the offensive line is at. I like where the running back room is at. And while we talk about how I like the defense, I, you know, there's one big question. We have to sign Devondre Campbell back. I mean, to me, that's a, a top three, top four move of, of this entire offseason is to somehow find a way to get Devondre Campbell to sign on the dotted line and come back. Um, uh, I would love to have Rasul Douglas come back, but all indications are they're probably going to let him walk, um, which is kind of disappointing because of other reasons that we we have an award named on for this show. Um, <laughs> 
Who would that be? The uh, uh, KK. <laughs> uh, but on the flip side, I don't like the the stability. I don't like what the future holds. I don't like um, playing this this um, on a year by year status. I think we could do a lot of better, uh, different things going forward, and the not knowing the uh, that that's kind of scary. Yeah, I, I will concede that. I mean, you know, I I do want to give again, you know, credit to the front office and and Russ Ball does not. I don't think he gets enough credit for how they've they've been able to manage it. And yes, you know, there has been like you said that that lack of official stability where it's been kind of one year mortgage, one year mortgage, and and we'll figure it out again next off season. Long term, that eventually has to crash and burn. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, projections for the cap are expected to keep going up and up and up quite substantially. I mean, you kind of, if you can put it off now and and maybe get that elusive Super Bowl win, I think it's all worth it. I think a lot of player, you know, fans would agree with that. Um, obviously, you know, we have to see what the quarterback position is going to be. You got to see what the wide receiver position is going to be. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, float any outside names as coming in, considering we still have so much work to do internally. I do agree. Uh, Devondre Campbell has to be your main priority outside of 12 and 17. Has to be. I mean, he was so valuable this year. And that's what I was going to say is we've seen, and I said this last week and I'll say it again. Now we have seen the impact that having an incredible presence in the interior linebacker position has had in one season. I mean, gone are the days of Christian Kirksey, gone are the days of Blake Martinez where sure Blake Martinez led the league in stats, that's that's fine and dandy, but in tackles, but they were thirty yards downfield. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. like your coverage linebacker like you would want. He wasn't your your guy that can contend with a tight end or can play downhill. Chris Barnes even for that matter, you know, stepping up this year, very underrated member of this team as a whole, but um, you know, like you said, it has to be brought back. I would love to see Rasul Douglas. I, I, I loathe the idea that Kevin King gets re-signed over over Rasul Douglas. I cannot fathom that as being a good idea. That said, it's probably going to happen, and I'm getting myself ready for that reality. But it it gives me nightmares. Absolute nightmares. I don't. The guy was our fourth. At best, our fourth cornerback. So yeah. To pay him what he was getting paid was absurd. I think, but I think I think they they still have him under contract. Kevin King. Yeah. No, he was a one-year, six million dollar deal. I don't believe he's under contract. Okay. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> For sure. I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> For sure. Wholeheartedly agree. So with that, you know, like I said, lots of of development. I do got to ask your thoughts on the announcement that Green Bay will finally pop its uh, European cherry and play overseas this coming season. Yeah, you know, uh I've been asked this question a couple times, but you know the impact it has for the NFL. I mean, Green Bay is is 
if not number one, they're number one A, the most popular team in the NFL, the the probably the biggest fan base uh, throughout the world. Um, undoubtedly, it was going to happen. Uh, I think what people don't understand is the nature of the impact that it has for a, a franchise like Green Bay, who is a, uh, um, a, a, a doesn't have a single owner, right? They don't have a guy that can, that can uh, kind of front the bill for them. They they are they are what they are because of the 58 billion fans that own them um, to to kind of fund themselves off of what they get out of Titletown district and what they get out of, out of, uh, game day procedures. So I think it hurts. I think it hurts more economically than it does for, for anything other than in the, in, in what a home game is. I think it's exciting. I think it's, it possibly could lead to a great decision by Aaron Rodgers to come back because He'll get a chance to uh, broaden his horizons and experience that he uh, could say that he's gotten, and, and Devonte too. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Um, I well, I do wholeheartedly agree that it does suck that it is a home game. I guess the one saving grace is that, and then ultimately probably the reason the Packers agreed to it was that it is that bonus home game, which. I guess I'm really torn on because you do have the impact. I mean, just how much revenue was lost for the state and the city in the 2020 season where there was no fans at games until, you know, the very end. And it was maybe 10% of state of fans. Yeah. So you're still kind of hurting from that here locally. And that extra bonus game is millions of dollars coming into the city, but you still are going to get all eight home games. So I guess I'll silver lining that. I'm really surprised that there hasn't been more of a push to play, consider a road game before this year, or that they weren't able to make that a road game and still get that ninth home game. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I guess I, I get it too. I mean, it is what it, it is. But It might come back around too, you know, I, you know. I, I, it's an exciting, you know, you don't really understand. We, I think it's one of those things where we don't really understand what it means to the Packers to have the home games as opposed to what it's going to mean for the Packers financially if they play a home game and they're the home team in London, right? Like how much could this broaden their their popularity among UK fans are are we gonna make um, such an economic um, charge? Um, are we gonna make up for that by broadening our horizons and, and garnering more fans that are gonna buy our our uh, our jerseys, our, our our shirts, our hats, our you know jackets or whatever? No, I'm know, I'm really glad you bring this up, and it's something I'm, I'm I always love talking about um, for a summer and fall. Well, really for a football season, um, from OTAs to to playoffs. Um, in college, I did work for the Packers. I worked in the Hall of Fame, and it is insane to me 
the amount of people from outside this country and, and across the world through Asia and Europe and Africa who come to who when they make their first trip to the to the United States, they'll do like New York City, they'll do Chicago, and in that Chicago swing before they head out west to you know California, they will make a pit stop in Green Bay just to see Lambeau Field, and that is something. You know, I I cannot talk enough about where I think we are incredibly spoiled as fans being so close to the action. I mean, Justin, oh, yeah. you grew up in Ocano. I grew up in Gillette. Um, you know, we went to Green Bay for groceries, you know, like yeah. we went there to go out to eat or maybe to see a movie, you know, because it was the only closest option. But, you know, people across the world traveling here. And seeking out Green Bay, Wisconsin, and 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 droves. It's like I said, it's not even just like one-off things where it's incredible. It's like this is an almost everyday occurrence in some capacity, uh, where you mm-hmm. see people from across the world and in different parts of the world coming to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I don't think unless you have that experience that you can that you can really kind of even put that in perspective. And even to me, you know, to be honest with you, it still is surreal. You know, this is, this yeah, is I where I grew up. I drive past any time I go to, anytime, you know, growing up, I went to the, you know, the mall or whatever, going to uh, dinner at like Olive Garden or something like that. You go past Lambeau Field. Like that's, you see it when you go across town, whether you're driving on 41 mm-hmm. or you're going across the bridge on 43, you can see it from there. I mean, it's just something that yep. you can see anywhere you're going in town, basically. And and there it is. I mean, that's like I said, across the world. So, so it, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, it, for us, it's something totally un, you know, un um, intimidating, unsuspecting. Un, it's not. Uh, it, it's our second. It's our second nature. Uh, there's Lambo, Lambo, and and we could talk about how great Lambo is, but for us, it's not the same. But like when when we when our when the Packers could go across seas, and how much are we gonna grow it, and are we gonna get that back because because the fandom is gonna grow so much? Are we like you said? Are we going to get people to come to Titletown District and spend a hundred bucks in that day? You know, Easily. how much are we going to grow it? You know, Easily. I, I don't know when that game is going to be. First of all, I'm really excited to, to be able to watch that game and, you know, actually wake up and actually have a rooting interest in an eight o'clock Sunday game. Like that's going to be awesome. Instead of just kind of waking up and, Oh shit, it's halftime. Um, mm-hmm. But and ultimately that's also going to kind of suck to be done with Packer football for the day at like 11, but it is what it is. But I fully believe without depending on it doesn't even matter who they end up playing in that game, the majority of that crowd is going to be wearing green and yellow, without a doubt. Yeah, I I think that's exciting to look forward to. I really do. It's the, it, and I think it's exciting for the common Packer fan to truly understand how big the reach of being a Packer fan gets, or how how wide it is, like how many there are in the world. Oh, one I think that's what's. Uh, I think that's what the biggest shakeup for for uh, a guy like me or you or Ramsey 
the 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 local common guy who sees Lambo almost every day um, is going to see the outreach of how much or how many Packer fans there are out there. Yeah, without a doubt. So with that, I mean, I guess just to kind of to <laughs> recap it here, uh, the state of the Grimman Packers is in question. It's been strong. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers and, and potentially even with Devontae Adams, uh, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. That's just the fact of the matter. Every year yep. you have that expectation. It's not far-fetched at all, especially you know with some of the shakeup we may see in the NFC this offseason. Um, it's it's definitely an exciting time to be a Packers fan, and if not uh, a little, I don't know if annoying is the right word, but an, a little um, anxiety-riddled at times, but here we are. So just to put a bow on this, Justin, any Wisconsin sports that we missed or anything you want to talk about just a little bit more about? No, I think we did a great job um, um, covering what, what we could cover here. In, in the short amount of time that we have with our with our fans during the week, but I, I you know I don't think we could ever talk enough about uh, how lucky we are. Um, uh, you know, in Milwaukee we have we are lucky to have the owners that we've had or have currently um, to to feel competitive teams. Uh, we have. Comp- all of our major sports are are competitive, Eric, and I think that's the most com- most important thing that we need to talk about um, a- a- as fans, uh, as Wisconsin fans. Uh, all of our major professional sports are competitive. We have rooting interests in, in a season long term. Um, the Badgers football, basketball, competitive hockey, um, national championship volleyball team um all competitive uh you know and we, and one thing we probably haven't even touched on is some of the fuck or some of the uh the uh nascar drivers that are starting to to peek their way through in, in in some of the bigger series um the local dirt track you know there's just so much that goes on in minor league baseball minor league you know semi pro yeah. hockey semi pro football semi pro bas- baseball the Wisconsin yeah. herd, the Wisconsin glow, and the uh, the women's yeah. some or summer league, just yeah. across yeah. all yeah. boards. I mean, there's there's so many that we didn't touch on that we could, and and really, I mean, I'll I mean I'll say it. Wisconsin is probably the best spot to be a sports fan. I mean, I I can't uh, even here in our cold months where there's nothing to do except sit inside and you know drink beer. Maybe if you're an ice fisher, you know, like I am sometimes, and. You know, get yeah. some deer hunting in, get some shed hunting out there in in the spring here. But as a whole, I mean, if you're going to be a sports fan, where else would you want to be? State of Wisconsin sports, thriving and growing. Totally agree. Totally agree. Couldn't set it better. All right, Justin. So with that, we will wrap up the episode with what we always do, and that is what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And I'll let you kick this one off. What am I? Well, the Badgers are going to sew sew up the sole possession of uh, the Big Ten championship on what is that now? Saturday, I think I said right. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Either way, this weekend that's going to happen. That's huge. Um, Excited for that. You know, basketball is starting to 
ramp up. I'm rooting for my Jill Tigers boys basketball team to go up to Leona Wabino in Wabino and upset the number one seeded um, Rebels of Leona Wabino and, and, and kind of go for a regional championship Saturday night. Um, rooting for that. Um, some some great girls basketball competition going on starting tomorrow night. Uh, one game that I'm really looking forward to is a uh, St. Mary Catholic, St. Mary Catholic team that's going against a, uh, a very good colleague of mine, a, a coaching colleague, a guy I really look up to in Jerry Renke and in the Bonnewell Bears. Um, they'll be playing up at Crivets tomorrow night, so so I'm rooting for Bonnewell in that as as they'll come in as the three seed, taking on the one seed. Um, in our local little regional here for, for the girls, uh, Leona Wabina will play uh, the, the state runner-ups from last year in three lakes in a sectional semifinal game that will happen at Granton. So that will be a good game for, for the small schools. And, and so uh, lot, lots of stuff to look forward to this weekend. I'm just – it's going to be a busy, busy weekend, and I'm, I'm excited. We'll have, we have all three kids at home. Um, if we want to go catch a game, we can go catch a game Saturday. There will be games all day. Um, you could go catch a game at 1.30, and, and every single one of them will mean that one of those teams is their season's going to end. And, and there's nothing for me who's done this gig now for 17 years. For me, when it comes playoff basketball, there's nothing like it in the state of Wisconsin. Absolutely nothing like it. So yeah, I'm going to piggyback um, on super that. Super excited for that. I'm going to piggyback on that with uh, Horizon League Women's Tournament. It's time to go. Like you said, uh, Green Bay Women in action Thursday and hopefully then Monday and Tuesday. If they should they win the Keeps Horizon League Tournament games that they have coming up here. Uh, so got my eyes there. Uh, going to be hitting a gambler game Friday night uh, with some friends. So really looking forward to that too. So really, again, like you said, just. Whole lot of games going on, whole lot of stuff to see, and and it's that best time of year where you got meaningful games where you know some seasons end, some seasons continue, and hope for the best. Yeah, love to be a fan in, in the state of Wisconsin right now. So, good luck to all the teams. All right, that's Justin. I'm Eric. For Ramsey, who's not here as he's working on assignment right now, and. Justin, myself. Episode 64 of the Root for Wisconsin show is in the books. We're out. See ya. Salut.